my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where, of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. Of course, as we always look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, we're looking at those three things together so we can have better context to what is going on in the world. And today, I got a big show up for you. We have a lot to cover. We are going to talk about the bucket shops of Bitcoin and the crypto crash. We're going to talk about the SEC and the attack on Bitcoin crypto regulations and let you know what is happening and more importantly, what is coming next so you know how to position yourself, how to frame this up, how to watch, how to pay attention, and yes, survive and thrive as this is going on. So we're going to cover all of that and more. So uh, it's good to be back with you. I took a little break. I had a bunch of interviews playing for you guys the last uh, previously. I spent some time over in Europe. That was pretty amazing going and seeing all that old history. And I'm going to go back into some history for you today. I'm not going to go back as far as we went in Europe. I managed to get uh, through Rome, um, Florence, some of that amazing financial history that, that happened in Florence, kind of the birthplace of modern finance. And then we went over to Egypt and I saw the pyramids and those are like 2,700 years before Christ. So we're not going to go back that far, but we're going to go back a little bit to get this historical context of the SEC. Now, the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, um, they are there to protect you, supposedly. They're there to protect the consumer, supposedly. Uh, and I say supposedly because it doesn't seem like they ever protect anybody. As a matter of fact, it seems like they do more harm than good. In my opinion, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the SEC hasn't been around forever, Securities and Exchange Commission. They 
protect us from making bad investments, I suppose. Although we can go buy as many lottery tickets as we want, and that's certainly a bad investment. We can go to Vegas, and we can gamble as much as we want, and that's certainly a bad investment. But uh, we got to protect you from investing into these companies. And so the SEC was established in 1934 in the aftermath of the 1929 stock market crash, which then, you know, was the, the Great Depression and all that. And like I said, its primary function is to protect consumers. And it does that by enforcing securities laws, by regulating securities industry um, to maintain uh, efficient markets and things like that. Now, you know, there was a lot of bad things that had happened. There was a lot of fraud. There was a lot of fraudulent things going on. And so they were going to clean that up, supposedly. And, and you know, like most government bodies, I would imagine they started probably, I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably started with some good intentions. And along the way, that has gone into some very bad intentions. As a matter of fact, uh, we'll talk about this in some later uh, segments about Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC now. But the SEC put forth, uh, you know, a set of uh, guidelines that uh, these financial instruments should follow. One of the things that they did is that they put together something called the Howey test. You might have heard about this before. I've talked about it many times before. The Howey test is a way to determine if something is a security or not. Um, now, this this came apart by, um, as a matter of fact, it was uh, it was ruled about some citrus farms in Florida like 100 years ago. Um, so, you know, people would argue that it doesn't really apply to cryptocurrencies because it was so far uh, back in the past, et cetera. And I want to break that down for you. So basically what the Howey test says is four things. One, is it an investment of money? Now, what determines what an investment is? Well, typically it's when you put money in and you're hoping to get more money back out. Now, uh, the crypto companies would argue that they're not securities, they're not investments, they're, they're utilities, except for the fact that most people put money in to hopefully get money back out. And then it says, um, invested into, uh, number two, a common enterprise. So that's a company, a common enterprise, a company that is able to, um, you know, direct that. Three, with an expectation of profit. So again, we put money in an investment, <laughs> hoping to get money back out, plus a profit. And again, most people that bought cryptocurrencies were hoping to get more money out than they put in. And finally, four, one and one and three investment of money, three with the expectation of profit are kind of the same. Two and four in a common enterprise, and four to be derived from the efforts of others from that common enterprise. So that is the Howey test, and again, uh, it's you know 100 years old and applied to citrus farms, but it applies to all forms of financial um, offerings, which is again what the SEC uses to determine if it's a security if it qualifies as an investment contract. Now, going back to the 1800s, uh, the early 1900s, really back to before the formation of the SEC, what we had were these things called bucket shops. And these bucket shops were basically betting parlors that allowed customers to go place wagers um, on the price and movement of stocks. So sort of like a casino, no, no different than what we have today. It was just a little bit more of the wild, wild west. And it allowed people to go basically place wagers on the price of stocks without actually owning them. So today we place wagers on the movement of stocks, but we have to buy it. So we buy that stock with hopes that it will go up and we can sell it for more later, um, or we might short it hoping that it goes down. But this would allow people to bet on it without actually owning it. Now, what that did is that you didn't have a lot of skin in the game, and so it led to uh, rampant speculation. 
You had uh, lots of speculation, so this is people gambling, speculation. And then it had a lot of market manipulation. So then, of course, when there's a lot of participants in the market uh, betting on this, then you have people trying to manipulate this. Now, betting markets like in sports, for example, are a lot harder to manipulate. It's very hard to manipulate a the outcome of a football game, for example, because there's so many people involved. Boxing, maybe you have like one guy throw the fight, but, but football would be much harder. But in the stock market, it'd be much easier to manipulate the price of those things. You had a lot of that. And then eventually that led to market crashes, um, which eventually led to the outline of these bucket shops um, or these parlors where they could bet on this. So that that's kind of the, the, the difference. Now, the reason why I go back in that is I want to kind of highlight how it went before and then the SEC coming in, to, uh, coming in to regulate that. And then I want to compare that because, you know, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it rhymes. So we're not seeing the exact same thing, except for we are. It's not, a, it's not an exact repeat, but it's definitely a rhyme. And that is the rhyme in the crypto industry today. So sort of like the bucket shops of the past, where you had people betting on these, which led to rampant speculation and then led to rampant manipulation uh, because there wasn't this uh, oversight of the government body, more specifically um, potential threat of of uh, getting in trouble if somebody somebody did something wrong. And and this led to this wild speculation, rampant manipulation, and that's exactly what we've seen in the crypto industry today. So the crypto industry was allowed to kind of, um, I don't want to say it was allowed, we'll say it was left alone um, to to be kind of manipulated, or so to speak. And so there's a lot of parallels in that. Now, it's new, and so it's heavily manipulated. It's a small market. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the rhymes of history, looking at the crypto and the Bitcoin market and what you can expect moving forward. I'm going to take a quick break, but I'm going to be right back. You don't want to miss it. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we are talking always about the decentralized revolution, which, of course, is politics, finance, and technology. And that technology is Bitcoin, the decentralized technology. And today we're talking about the crypto and the Bitcoin markets and how when we look at history, we can see that they're not just um, rhyming. They're almost repeating, almost exactly. And we were talking about uh, kind of this historical context. I'm not going to go back through that. If you've missed any of it, don't worry, I got your back. You can check it out on the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player. You can go back and listen to the rest of it. By the way, I have a favor to ask. Can I ask something of you? You know, I've been putting out a bunch of content for you guys here, and I'd have one small ask. If you could, please, on your podcast player, just hit the review and leave me a review and some some stars if you like the show. If you'd like to help me out, it'd really, really, really be appreciated. Okay, so going back to this, we talked about the historical context of this, but now let's take a look at how does this compare to the crypto industry of today. So as I kind of already said, the crypto industry kind of ran rampant. Um, it allowed this massive speculation and massive manipulation, just like we saw in the bucket shops of the late 1800s early 19th century. And we saw the exact same thing in the crypto industry. And it was sort of left alone. The SEC just left it alone. They didn't uh, really crack down a couple real, you know, extravagant cases, maybe, but for the most part, they just sort of left it alone. And it grew bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And of course, you know, I've been very vocal about this walking you through this for the last year, year and a half now kind of giving you the play by play as it's been happening. And I told you that, you know, after the collapse, the domino effect of all the companies going down from Terra Luna to Celsius to FTX, after that, the SEC looked so bad. Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, you know, had egg on his face. He was going to have to come out swinging. He was going to have to come out with a vengeance against these companies so he could try to reclaim any type of credibility. And, uh, you know, like most things, he was going to overreact. And that certainly seems like what he's done. And I even said that, you know, what I think he would do wouldn't just go after he, he, he really can't go after the 22 or 25,000 cryptocurrencies that are out there, whatever it is. So instead, what he'll do is he'll go after the exchanges. And if he can shut down a couple exchanges, he can basically regulate the whole industry. And that's exactly what he's done. He's been going hard after the exchanges. And um, specifically, some of the big US ones, including Coinbase and Binance, which I'm going to come back to in a minute. But what we're starting to see is that, you know, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, are global assets. And it's important to understand this because a lot of times what happens is we look at this from a from a lens that we have uh, typically based on our geography. So we're in the United States and we look at this from a very US centric viewpoint. I talk to people all the time who get really caught up and they say, oh, but what if the Fed does this or the government does this? Or if the Fed raises rates, then people won't buy as much Bitcoin. But that's all assuming you're viewing it from a US centric view. So what if the US were to outlaw it? I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just say that they did. Well, it will still live in the rest of the world. 
If the Fed wants to raise the rates, the economy crashes, people in the US don't buy it, but other people in the world still will. So you have to make sure that you're checking yourself, checking that lens. And it's important to understand this global perspective because it's shifting really fast as Gary Gensler and the SEC are coming hard, full guns blazing at the cryptocurrency industry, which is basically kind of shutting it down, at least putting it on pause in the United States um, for now, it's starting to gain steam in other countries. This is what we call game theory. And the game theory is that um, while you may try to shut it down, you're probably only going to damage and affect yourself because other people will get ahead. And that's exactly what we're starting to see. And we're starting to see that there's different regulatory approaches that are happening in these different regions. Um, obviously, like we said, we talked about the SEC in the United States using these existing securities laws. But what we're starting to see in other other countries is that they're starting to change some of these uh, regulations and the way that they're uh, approaching the regulations on these. But in the U.S., while the SEC has basically come out super heavy-handed, taking down every company in its path, they're starting to give access and permission to some companies. And so we're starting to see some of them, like there's this one, uh, Promethium. It's the first crypto company that registered with the SEC as a broker-dealer. Now, it's important to note that they raised $50 million from investors, and they never launched a product, but yet here they are having approval. Uh, we also see that the SEC uh, approved a two-time leveraged Bitcoin futures ETF. That just happened. So now the SEC has sort of given permission to that. Now, that is a bad idea, in my opinion. Bitcoin is way too vol volatile. It moves way too fast. It is not safe to trade Bitcoin with leverage. Uh, I don't recommend it. And I think they're only setting up for problems. It's, you know, the SEC is supposed to be looking out for consumer protection, but all their actions show the contrary. So for example, uh, they want to protect you from crypto, but by attacking them, they've sent the prices plummeting and people that were sitting on all these nice investment gains lost it all. So um, in order to protect you, they made everybody broke. Hmm. Doesn't seem like that works out very well. And, uh, and so that's kind of what we're seeing here. And by them, they haven't approved a physical Bitcoin ETF, meaning where the, the ETF, exchange traded fund, actually buys Bitcoin. But they have approved ones that trade on paper. That just allows for more manipulation, which is the thing they're supposed to be getting rid of. They're supposed to get rid of the speculation manipulation, but the ones they've approved only speculate because they don't buy physical. And now they've approved a two-time leveraged one, which again, <laughs> two times leverage is even for two times the speculation and manipulation. So while they're statements say that they're supposed to protect against manipulation and speculation. Their actions show the exact opposite. Now we've seen in the UK, they have uh, something different. They have the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA. Now they've banned the sale of crypto derivatives to retail customers, citing potential harm, and they would be right about that. Um, we've seen in Hong Kong, and this is maybe one of the biggest pieces of overlooked information, in my opinion, Hong Kong is now you know, part of China and China, which supposedly banned cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin a long time ago, is now allowing Hong Kong to set up exchanges to sell Bitcoin. 
and thereby giving access to all the Chinese people. That's a big piece that is being overlooked. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the radio. Uh, so if you're tuning in every week, then you already know that. Uh, but I think that's a really, really big piece. And what we're seeing is as the U.S. is really, really, really cracking down hard, we're starting to see these other areas picking it up, like China and Hong Kong. Hong Kong is the financial gateway for China. So I think it's really big to see that while this is the game theory, if the US wants to be overarching, and uh, they want to shut it down, and they want to prevent American companies from innovating Americans from getting involved, well, that's fine. Other countries will just get ahead. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. And we're talking about the way the world is literally starting to break apart because of these heavy handed regulations that each one are trying to implement on their own. I got a lot more to cover when I come back, I want to talk about what's going on with the two biggest exchanges. I want to talk about Binance, I want to talk about Coinbase, then we're going to talk about what we can expect moving forward, what the industry expectations are, um, what we could expect moving forward. Um, some big, big, big news of big players that got involved in the space and things that you should just generally know if you want to navigate this properly. So I'm going to cover all of that and more. If you just tune in, like I said, um, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. Um, while you're waiting, you can, uh, hit that like and review button. All right. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. Today, we're talking specifically about how history doesn't, uh, we say, you know, Mark Twain said it doesn't repeat, it rhymes. In this case, it's almost repeating. We were talking about kind of the historical context of the early uh, 1900s, late 1800s, um, the bucket shops of how um, stocks were bet on um, in this kind of wild, wild west unregulated market. The SEC stepped in. 
And we saw the same thing happen with crypto, uh, where it was traded kind of in this wild, wild west format on all these different exchanges. And then finally, the SEC has stepped in. Now, two of the biggest companies to really come under scrutiny, remember, like I said, I told you, it wouldn't be that the 25,000 cryptocurrencies coming under attack, it would really be the exchanges, because they're kind of the linchpins. If they can take out a couple exchanges, they can sort of curb this whole thing. Now, two companies, two, the largest exchange, the largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance, sort of this last man standing after all the other dominoes fell, FTX went down. Um, and Binance is the last one. And they have come under the crosshairs of the SEC, basically with full guns blazing. Now, the details of Binance are sort of murky. We know that it was founded in 2017 by Chengping Zhao, or CZ as he's known. And they've become the world's largest cryptocurrency. But we don't know where CZ is really from. He's like a Chinese national, but he's like Canadian. And the exchange was set up offshore, but we don't really know exactly where the, you know, where it's incorporated. Um, we do know it's not a U.S.-based company. We also know CZ is not a U.S. citizen. We don't know exactly where they're from. He hasn't really been forthcoming to that, which leads a lot to... Um, leaves a lot to be imagined, such as what jurisdictions does the United States and the SEC really even have against somebody who's not a U.S. citizen and is not a U.S.-based company. So we're going to really find out how long the arm of the U.S. law really is. But some of the allegations that have been made against Binance are basically that they were operating without proper licenses. Well, of course, because there are no proper licenses to have. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess so. They supposedly they were misleading users. Um, they were conducting unregistered trading activities, which I think kind of fits into the first one without proper licenses. And in particular, they emphasized the US Department of Justice, the DOJ and the IRS investigation for potential illegal transactions. Now, some of these things that Binance has been doing to try to kind of maneuver around this is trying to shift back into a crypto-only model. So if you kind of understand the way this cryptocurrency market started, you understand that a lot of these, well, not a lot, all of these cryptocurrency companies or exchanges, I should say, started by only trading cryptocurrencies, meaning there was no US dollars. So these crypto exchanges that popped up that would allow you to trade these crypto tokens, you had no way to send them dollars, which is two things. One, that's how these US dollar stable coins really got started. People needed, they wanted a way to trade in and out of this crypto token back into dollars, but these, these, these exchanges didn't have dollars. They didn't deal with dollars. And so these stable coin tokens were created in its place so they could be traded in place of dollars on these exchanges. Now, why didn't these exchanges have dollars? Because they didn't want to deal with the US regulatory bodies. So it's really these, these fiat, these fiat currencies, these dollar on and off ramps that pose these big problems. And so what we're seeing is now Binance is saying, okay, what we'll do is we'll just shift back, get away from dollars, uh, forget about these fiat on off ramps, forget about these regulations, we'll just go back to a crypto only position. They've also said they're going to step up regulatory compliance um, through measures such as, you know, hiring ex regulators, implementing stronger KYC, know your customer and AML anti money laundering measures. Um, like I said, going back to a crypto only exchange, 
And somehow they think they can distance themselves from financial services that put them under this U.S. jurisdiction and, you know, more stringent regulatory uh, bodies. Now, what are the implications of that move? Well, one, if they move away from the U.S., then the U.S. has less control. So it's kind of this game of cat and mouse. You know, do you want to keep them close so you still have some say, some influence and regulations, or do you want to kind of completely push them offshore? Uh, so we'll see. And this is this is this is yet to be seen. This is playing out in real time. Now we know that uh, Binance had uh, come under fire years ago um, for allowing U.S. customers on the platform, and so they put in a bunch of measures to pre prevent U.S. customers from using the platform. And they even spun off a, a subsidiary called Binance U.S., which was specifically just for U.S.-based customers. And through that, U.S. customers had to go through all types of compliance, you know, back to what I said, KYC, AML, et cetera. So you had Binance U.S. that was supposedly kind of falling in this U.S. jurisdiction and compliance. And then you had Binance, which was um, international that didn't allow U.S. customers. Now, we also have Coinbase. Now, Coinbase is the largest exchange in the United States. Um, they were founded in 2012 by uh, Brian Armstrong. And they were just a Bitcoin exchange, and then they went to cryptocurrency. And, and I really want to kind of just stress that for a second, that you know you hear me say, and you hear lots of other people say all the time, Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency. And the reason why we say Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency, isn't that we're saying that Bitcoin is not a cryptocurrency. We're just saying that when we talk about Bitcoin, we're talking about Bitcoin. When we talk about crypto, we're talking about everything other than Bitcoin. And the reason why it's important to understand that is because Bitcoin is unlike, it's completely different than every other cryptocurrency that's out there. Um, Bitcoin is a commodity, um, as has been told by head of the SEC, Gary Gensler now, the previous head of the SEC, um, Jay Clayton, also said the same thing. But we also know it's a, it's a, it's a uh, commodity, not because they've said that, well, obviously they have, we know that because they have, uh, we know they consider that, but also because the way that it's generated. A commodity is something that is, um, doesn't have a central issuer. So a commodity might be wheat, it might be oil, it might be oranges, it might be gold. Now with gold or oil or wheat, you go buy a piece of land and you dig for oil, you dig for gold, you plant seeds for oranges. And anybody in the world can dig for oil or gold or plant oranges anywhere in the world. There's no central issuer, the earth. The earth, they just grow. They, they're just there, right? So I bring them up. And no matter where that orange or that, that wheat or that gold or that oil is produced in the world, it's fungible. Oil's oil, gold's gold, right? And Bitcoin's the same way. There's no central issuer. There's no there's no company. There's no there's no governing body. Um, anybody can buy a computer, hook into the network, and bring Bitcoin into the ecosystem, just like you can with oil or gold. All the other cryptocurrencies have this central issuer. So that's 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 the big differentiator there. But basically, Coinbase is under fire as well, um, and and they're saying that you know they had this Lend product, and this Lend product offered yields on crypto deposits, and that's a security, which is the same thing they got uh, BlockFi on, um, and BlockFi had paid some massive fine on that because their yield product qualified as a security. They also said that Coinbase is acting as an unregistered broker. Uh, they also said that they're um, selling unregistered securities. Um, and Coinbase is ready to fight this thing. And Brian Armstrong has been pretty um, upfront about this. You know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on this viewpoint. One, um, you know, most of these cryptocurrencies are scams. And 
they shouldn't be out there scamming people. I'm not happy about that. Um, but we're seeing big lawsuits from like XRP, Ripple, and Coinbase, and they're going to go after the SEC. And so it's like, on one hand, I'm rooting for them to defeat the SEC. On the other hand, I'd like to see them to kind of shut down and stop scamming people. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. It's, it's sort of interesting. A lot of them are, are pointing to the fact that there's no regulatory clarity. And it's the, it's the ambiguity, it's the lack of clarity with the regulations that have allowed all this to run rampant. Now, some might argue, including myself, would say, well, it seems pretty clear to me there's four things. Does somebody give money with an expectation of a return? And are they giving it to a common enterprise where the results are dependent on that common enterprise? And in most of the cryptocurrencies, the answer is yes. So while everyone's saying, we need more clarity, we need more clarity, we need better regulations, it's like, you have the clarity. You just don't want to accept it. You're hoping you can get a different answer. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution and talking about the way the crypto uh, industry is under attack from the SEC. I'm going to take a quick break, but when I come back, I'm going to talk about what to expect moving forward, what to expect from the industry, what to expect from cryptocurrencies and the SEC. I'm going to cover that more. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about specifically today, we're talking about the cryptocurrency market. We're talking about the historical parallels of uh, the SEC coming in heavy-handed and shutting things down. And now we're going to talk about where things are going. Now, if you've missed any of that previous conversation, I'm not going to recap it all, but you can catch it up on the podcast. Just search the Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player. Now, let me ask you a quick favor. Please, 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 please. If you can, while you're listening on your favorite podcast player, just like the show, or I'm sorry, uh, just comment and rate on the show. Really appreciate that. Uh, it's my one my one small ask if I, if I can uh, please have that from you. All right, now back to what is the industry expecting? What am I expecting? What should you be watching and expecting? So let's talk about that. So um, right now we're in the thick of this. The SEC has come out full guns blazing. They are coming super hard after all these cryptocurrencies. And they're 
trying to shut them down. Now, you've heard me talking many times about these warring factions in the country, in the nation, in the United States, and even around the world. And really, we can see that in the United States, we have two warring factions when it comes to this. And one of them is very, very, very anti-tech, anti-innovation. And that is Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren. That's Gary Gensler. All right. Um, and there's, there's a few others there. And then we have those that are very pro-innovation and pro-technology. Now, um, I would say that Elizabeth Warren and Gary Gensler are also part of the Obama-Biden administration, which is also, I would lump them together with the ECB Euro Davos group. None of them want innovation. None of them want change. Why? Well, because innovation and change threatens their monopoly. So there's something called creative destruction. Creative destruction is when, when something new is created, it destroys the old way, like Kodak. Kodak had been making film for 100 years, over 100 years. And then, just like that, digital cameras put them out of business, or digital photos put them out of business. Really, it was when, when uh, the average Nokia phone could take a, uh, take a picture. And so they didn't want that to happen. Um, Kodak did not want innovation to happen because it eventually put them out of business. Christine Lagarde, formerly of the IMF, currently with the ECB, European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde said, innovation is a threat to our financial stability. That's her quote. Innovation is a threat to our financial stability. Well, it is. She's not wrong. It's a threat to their financial monopoly, right? Innovation is a good thing. Innovation only only happens because it's better. If it wasn't better, you wouldn't go to it, right? It, it, it's only, it only happens if it's better. We should all want a better product. We should all want better service, better prices, better products. But just like Kodak, they didn't want digital photos because it put them out of business. Just like Christine Lagarde, the ECB doesn't want cryptocurrency because it threatens their financial stability or their financial um grip, which is the same with Gary Gensler at the SEC and Elizabeth Warren. They don't want this. Now, um, we can see that the SEC, even within themselves, has infighting. So Gary Gensler is very anti-tech, very anti-innovation, but there are people in the um, SEC that are pro-innovation, as they should be, as they should be. Hester Pierce, uh, I think, was given the nickname like uh, Crypto Grandma or something like that. Uh, she came out uh, with with uh, with fangs going after Gary Gensler, saying basically you are um, destroying innovation. You're destroying the U.S.'s position as an innovator. Uh, so we've seen that, and we can see that there's this lot of this infighting happening. One of the biggest cases in the cryptocurrency space is with Ripple and the XRP token. And uh, again, I think crypto. I think I think Ripple is. Uh, forgive me for saying this, you're going to hate it, but I think Ripple's unneeded. It's unnecessary. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Um, but they have a lot of money and they're fighting the SEC. And so I'm kind of rooting for them in that standpoint because I'd like to see the SEC shut down. But what they have is they have something called the Hinman documents. And William Hinman is a former director at the SEC. And in 2018, he gave a speech where he suggested that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum were not securities. Now, the SEC denied their involvement in the speech. They said, no, no, he was acting alone. That, that, was, his, that was his opinions. That wasn't, um, that wasn't reflective of the SEC. But now we have the documents. And now we see that many SEC officials actually weighed in on the speech and believed that the goal was to provide market guidance by delivering the speech. So what does that mean? Well, 
Some say it is, some say it isn't, but we have the documents that say it is. And what it does, what it does for sure is it discredits the SEC and shows they have no idea what they're doing when they're regulating crypto. They're literally making this up as they go along. And they can't do that. They can't give two two different decisions. They can't give two different ways to do that. And like I said, we can see this uh, really kind of this uh, division in the United States of the people that are pro-innovation and the ones that are anti. And I think about it, I would even take it another level further than that. Let's forget about the innovation for a second. We're in the United States. This is the land of the free. The land of the free means I am free to do what I want unless unless there's a law that prevents me from doing that. So a lot of times, you know, I got in, I had to kind of set Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary straight at the Bitcoin conference last year because he's like, we need regulations to give us clarity. And I said, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I said, I understand you're from Canada, so you don't get this, but we're in the land of the free. Everything is free. We're, we're free people, so we're allowed to do everything unless there's a law that tells us not to. We don't get laws to tell us what we can do. So um, being as I'm from the land of the free, being as I grew up in this country that I was allowed to do whatever I wanted, uh, we should be able to innovate. We should be able to invent. We should be free to do that. So anything that's anti-innovation is actually anti-freedom, in my opinion. Now, we saw um, Senator Bill Haggerty. He said the SEC is weaponizing their role to kill an industry, allowing a company to list publicly and then stonewalling their attempts to register. He said it's indefensible. Senator Cynthia Loomis said the SEC's continued reliance on regulation by enforcement continues to harm consumers. Again, like I said, they're trying to protect consumers, but all these consumers that bought all this cryptocurrency are now getting wrecked because the SEC is shutting it down. As a matter of fact, I had an SEC attorney um, on the show a couple months ago. And he was talking about how a lot of the people that are holding the Ripple XRP token were actually um, signing documents telling the SEC they did not want them to do it because they were causing them harm. Uh, we can see the CEO of uh, Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, uh, in regards to the SEC complaint, said that they are proud to represent the industry in court to finally get some clarity around the crypto rules. So again, they're taking the fight to them. He said that the SEC reviewed their business and allowed them to become a public traded company. Now, back to XRP, uh, Ripple's XRP, Brad's, Brad Garlinghouse said, it, if it wasn't already clear, it should be now. Chair Gary Gensler's laughable pro-innovation stance, as he said today, is exactly the opposite. That's what I'm saying. Uh, what this also tells me is that the SEC is throwing lawsuits at the wall and hoping they distract from the agency's FTC debacle. They have egg on their face. So, you know, what, is, what, what, do, we, what do we take away from all this? Well, again, Bitcoin, not crypto. As I said months ago, you saw me on the radio talking about this on my YouTube channel, Mark Moss talking about this. I was on many other shows, Fox Business and Stansbury talking about this. And I said that crypto as a category, I don't think we'll see another bull run because of this, but Bitcoin will be the big beneficiary. And here we are. We're seeing Bitcoin become the big beneficiary. Now we're seeing BlackRock launch a Bitcoin ETF. We're seeing Fidelity, all these other big players get into Bitcoin and Bitcoin is rallying off the news. And so Bitcoin is kind of free and clear. Bitcoin is a commodity. It's free. It's clear. The big dogs are coming in. You can buy it. You can own it. You can hold it. No problem. Crypto, we're going to find out what's happening. My bet, as I already made the case months ago, we won't see another 
bull run as a category in the cryptocurrency space. Most of them are going to have to be registered as securities, and most of them won't do that. Probably 98% of them won't. The few that will are going to have to go through the regulation process, and they're going to have to do full disclosures. And once they have to do full disclosures, you're going to be able to compare them against every other stock that's out there. And I just don't think as many people are going to want them once you have to look at it that way. That's just my opinion. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about what's going on in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space and what you can expect moving forward. That's what I got today. Thanks so much for listening. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket legal shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years they connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.